Hi, I'm Marina, and this is Diversify Your Narrative Podcast, the show where we unlearn the toxic ways of society in order to better understand ourselves and those around us. From psychology to politics and culture, we make sure that we learn to diversify our perspective on the world. And we're back. After what felt like just giving up the podcast actually turned out to be a much-needed break. But we're stronger than ever, and we're back on diversifying your narrative. And, you know, the topic for today is actually quite in line with the break. Um, evidently, if you couldn't tell, uh, it was a mental health break. It was a mess, <laughs> really. So, um, but a lot of good things came out of it. And one of those things is actually being more organized with diversify your narrative. So hopefully this will take a turn for the best. But the topic that uh, has us all today here is going to be a pretty simple yet very intricate. So today we're going to talk about mental health. Wonders, no surprise. But we're going to take a deviation and actually talk about intersectionality and mental health in general terms. So, you know, everything is sourced here, but uh, in case you'd like to uh, look it up, it's we're going to be basing this podcast, today's podcast, on a study from the UBC in California. And, you know, we're just going to get right into it. So the thing with intersectionality, in case you didn't know what intersectionality is, if you've been listening to me for a while, you may probably already know what I'm talking about. If not, then um, intersectionality in, is a very big concept, but um, just to make it short, uh, it's about how there's a lot of factors that makes us human, and the human that we specifically are today. So there's um, the experiences and the factories and the characteristics that makes us us. So these factors or these certain characteristics are going to play a part into how we approach mental health. And it, you know it's they're often intersectionality is often viewed as this um, theoretical tool that serves a purpose in identifying problems. But the reason for us to be talking about intersectionality and mental health today is actually not because I want to view it from a problem point of view, but from a solution point of view. So evidently there's a lot of intersectional characteristics and we're just going to be talking about some of the major ones that we can find. And, you know, people living with mental illness maybe members of multiple groups that experience a stigma which can impact the quality of life and slow down treatment when it comes to mental health. Identities and personal experiences vary within social or cultural groups, that's a given. Historically speaking, persistently and systematically marginalized people often experience greater frequency of mental health problems as a result of discrimination and harassment within Western and especially North American systems, including capitalism, colonialism, patriarchy, etc. 
Individuals that have overlapping and intersecting identities oftentimes find or face additional discrimination and harassment, including microaggressions. The use of normalizing messages, for example, people living with mental illness are just like everyone else, can stop people from mo with multiple marginalized identities from seeking help. Intersectionality is also one of the six core principles of trauma-informed care, in which trauma is seen as being disproportionately experienced by certain groups because of long-standing structural inequalities. Approaching mental health treatment in a way that relates to intersecting identities can help us identify service gaps and prevent or reduce further harm to these uh, people. So, we're just going to dive in into certain uh, groups, intersectional groups, and the first of that is disability. The disability is a disadvantage or a restriction of a person's ability to take part in certain activities or to interact with the world around them. These disadvantages due to systemic and uh, structural uh, components can take little to no account for people who have physical or mental impairments, excluding people from participating in social activities. The social, emotional, and financial impacts of disability can create chronic strain and adverse mental health impacts. People with disabilities report lower levels of health-related quality of life and experience a higher risk of mental health problems. Populations that may already be marginalized for other intersecting identities experience greater overall negative health impacts if they also live with one or more disabilities. Women with disabilities are at an elevated risk of depression compared with men with disabilities, women without disabilities, and general population. And we're also talking about our LGBTQ people with disabilities that experience increased isolation and marginalization. There are higher rates of disability amongst racialized individuals often connected to socioeconomic or immigrant status as well as barriers to accessing appropriate and adequate health services. Colonial pressure, cultural non-responsive systems, and discrimination cause challenges for indigenous people, especially those with disabilities. Society often denies opportunities to people with disabilities, unfairly distributing resources, causing poverty and providing inadequate terminology. There are higher rates of mental illness amongst people living with chronic conditions. For example, those with cardiovascular disease, uh, celiac disease, epilepsy, multiple sclerosis, fibromyalgia, arthritis, etc. And mental health problems themselves are also associated with increased risk of a range of chronic physical health conditions. It is commonly experienced um, in medical symptoms, medical, mental and physical fatigue or sleep problems can hide underlying mental health problems, making timely diagnosis very difficult. On to our second uh, intersecting group is gender. In gender, you know, it's a very broad concept, but for the sake of just keeping it short, gender is a social construct where behaviors and expectations are placed on individuals based on established ideas of femininity and masculinity. And it's 
uh, closely linked to culture, society, power, and politics. And gender equality can actually lead to poor mental health outcomes due to discrimination, violence, abuse, and poor working conditions. There is evidence of gender bias in the application of diagnostics criteria for mental illnesses. And we are especially able to see this as um, young parents are actually bringing it up on the internet about how um, getting diagnosed for TDAH um, or ADHD, sorry, <laughs> for getting diagnosed for ADHD is actually easier for boys than for girls. And you know, that's a sort of a gender bias there. And gender diverse individuals who do not conform to perceived expectations of gender based on their appearance, hormonal or anatomical status, or social and legal attributes such as names and gender markers face even an additional barrier in accessing mental health services. Gender assumptions about how symptoms are based or presented often lead to perceived gender differences in mental illness. Negative and social attitudes and internalized messages related to one's gender identity can also lead to chronic stress. And on the same line, but on a different basis, Actually, sexual orientation, gender identity, and mental health is also a thing. There is an underrepresentation, perceived difference, and lack of acceptance and experiences that can have long-lasting effects on the mental health and well-being of the LGBTQ plus community. There is a history of confusing LGBTQ plus identities with mental illnesses. It was not until 2013 that being transgender was still considered a mental illness, and being gay or lesbian was considered a mental illness until 1973. Discrimination and violence experienced by the community, people leads uh, to chronic illness, to chronic stress, anxiety, isolation, and internalized negative emotions such as shame and guilt. There's a trauma related to family and community re rejection, systemic discrimination, and community violence that leads to disproportionately negative health outcomes for the LGBTQ plus community, such as mental health issues, addiction, and suicides. And these negative health outcomes are compounded for the LGBTQ plus community uh, who also experience racism, colonialism, and ableism. Challenging heterosexism, transphobia, and systemic forms of oppression are keys to improving mental health outcomes within the LGBTQ plus community. Connection to a supportive community and peer group is also, has also shown to be a protective factor against mental illness. And, you know, I think that... Um, as more information and as people continue to seek out information for themselves, to stand up for themselves, it has become greatly... Um, it has become greatly appreciative on how actually we are coming together to find that um, these communities are actually... Um, actively seeking for those gaps in mental health so that they can help themselves and help the generations that come after us. 
So another certain intersectionality factor are indigenous people or indigenous perspectives in mental health. And you know, there's a diverse notion of mental health and resilience that exists within indigenous communities. They're often grounded in cultural distinct concepts like community, environment, collective history, the interrelation between mental, emotional, physical and spiritual health, traditional and activism. There are differences in indigenous and western ways of knowing and are resources of misunderstanding in health and healthcare. And here we're going to talk about, about colonialism. As colonialism refers to an intentional process by which a political power from one territory exerts control over a different territory, it involves an unequal power relations and includes policies and practices of acquiring full or partial political control over people or territory occupying their territory within the settlers and exploiting it uh, economically. And we're not going to talk about, you know, the new forms of colonialism, which could be neocolonialism, because that's a thing and it's a bigger thing. But um, even historical colonialism has its continuous effects until now. So colonialism is an important determinant of indigenous health worldwide. Cultural suppression and forced assimilation have profound effects on health and social outcomes, even across generations. This intergenerational trauma that is faced by indigenous communities due to residential school systems, at least in the U.S., and the 60s coup is directly related to current negative health outcomes such as mental illness, psychological distress, and suicidal uh, ideation or attempts. There is also an underrepresentation of uh, off-reserve populations in the current data and research and LGBTQ plus indigenous people. So, indigenous mental wellness is often comprised of two components, wellness and process of healing. This can include both traditional healing practices and Western approaches to mental wellness. The harms done to indigenous communities via colonial mechanism have heavily relied on the suppression and persecution of cultural practices and medicines. Because of this, reconnecting with traditional uh, practices is crucial to the healing process. Relationality and connection are key in indigenous well-being. Examples of this include gathering for ceremony, sharing stories, community celebration, etc. Narratives and stories can bolster resilience by supporting collective experiences, emotional regulation, and problem solving. Connections to elders along with cultural ceremony and traditional medicines are also important in supporting well-being and resilience by positively impacting the self-esteem and individual identity. And maybe, or perhaps the most talked about uh, sense of intersectionality is race. And historically, a disproportionate number of racial and ethnic minorities have faced systemic discrimination related to mental health, more often diagnosed with mental illnesses, more often detained by law enforcement, less often referred to appropriate resources. Racism and over-discrimination are chronic stressors associated with stress, depression, and ill health. People who experience microaggressions and discrimination across multiple systems, be that people, society, or institutions, experience increased negative health outcomes. Culture and context play a significant role in the recognition of a mental health problem. Deeply held religions or cultural beliefs can create barriers to seeking mental health support as mental health problems may not be identified as such. And the inaccurate use of Western diagnostics criteria for mental illness, which often excludes context, culture, ethnicity, and family, leads to large racial discrepancies in how they are treated. 
There is an ongoing lack of racial diversity among, among both research and subjects and researchers in this area, which leads to a lack of understanding how race affects mental health. Strong ethnic and racial identity, increased immigration density, and high value of self can actually help protect against the negative mental health impacts of racial discrimination. And you know, evidently there's a lot more factors that come to play in intersectionality and mental health, but I do believe that it's time that we stop seeing it, uh, intersectionality as just a tool or a theoretical tool that can help us identify problems as much as it can help us identify solutions. And just to quote Kimberly Williams Crenshaw, we aren't intersectional. If we are intersectional, some of us, the most vulnerable, are going to fall through the cracks. And you know, it's true. Even in different levels, every single one of us is actually um, composed of different factors that makes us us. There is no need to actually square us in into some categorization, specifically just like um, we are multidimensional and we should not seek to just fit into one square. We're actually uh, composed of many factors, of many characteristics, and there is actually no need to disregard some of them because then it wouldn't be us. And the solutions to our mental health and seeking help and mental health uh, themes in a lot in life is actually about um, searching for the answers that helps us within our own skin, with the bad and the good and everything that makes us us and not just what categorizations or the general consensus has told us to be. And that concludes today's episode. It was great having you listen to the podcast today. Remember that you can follow us on Instagram at Diversify Your Narrative. Without further ado, We'll catch up later on the next episode of Diversify Your Narrative.